0: Hey everybody, Zach here. Just want to give a quick thank you and shout out to Element 451 for making today's conversation possible. I've been talking with several several of you um, about their new product packs and just want to reiterate how much of a game changer i think that this is for the higher ed crm space so you know that moment after you've finally gone through the whole rfp process you've done you know training and onboarding with the crm vendor that you selected and then you know you're in the crm and you realize oh my gosh there's just so much work to do to get up and running right like oh, we've got to build out our flows, we've got to build out our landing pages etc well with packs by element 451 this headache goes away. Because what packs is, is it's essentially pre-packaged content, right? Pre-built content, designs, and automations. So you're actually able to do in minutes what would normally take your enrollment management team or your marketing team or your IT team weeks to do. No code needed, no writers, you know, no wasted time. Each pack is designed with a very specific goal in mind. So for example, you could install the senior search pack, And in minutes, you'll have five personalized emails that are totally branded to your school, your audience segments um, and a whole marketing automation workflow that will make the campaign run effortlessly so in a fraction of the time that it usually takes you'll be well on your way to achieving your enrollment goals we all know that uh, time is everything especially these days so what's super cool about element 451 is that there's you know they're finally a a higher ed crm that actually comes with content guys like this is game changing Uh, anyways learn more at element 451.com forward slash enrollify again that's element451.com forward slash enrollify and if you'd like a personal introduction to the team there um i i know artists um and they are uh, just a fantastic group of people and i'd be well I'd, I'd welcome any opportunity i can to introduce you or your team to their customer success team so Feel free to reach out to me directly at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org if you'd like me to make that introduction or even give you a sneak peek behind the scenes look at how the product works. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for your time. And thank you, Element, for making today's conversation possible. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Fanatical Fridays, a weekly podcast where I sit down with Mickey Baines, a principal at Kennedy and Company, which is a higher education consulting firm, to discuss the traits, the strategies, and the tactics that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack. I'm Zach Boozie Cruz, founder here at Enrollify. Enjoy the show. Morning, Mickey. How is the weather up in Michigan?
1: Beautiful. Uh, it's uh, it was chilly this morning. You know, in the 60s, which is what I love on a on a uh, morning like this in the summer. And uh, it's going to be warm. I think we're going to be in the 80s, okay. mid to high 80s. So it's similar to Pennsylvania, except it's just cooler overnight. So. Yeah. But uh, but beautiful, and we have great plans uh, between now and uh, the rest of the weekend.
0: What do uh, what do some of those plans include? What's what, what's the thing you're looking forward to most?
1: Well, so we're um, near Grand Haven in Michigan, so we're gonna uh, go see Lake Michigan, spend a day at the beach. We um, hopefully will if this, there's a chance of rain, but if the rain holds out, we will uh, take a little boat tour and go out and see part of the lake. Uh, so we're 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 pretty stoked about that. Exciting
0: times, exciting times. Well, it sounds like your week has been a little bit better than mine. I, uh, I landed myself in the ER uh, about eight hours ago. Yeah, <laughs> thank nothing, nothing serious. I, I was actually I was running, and all of a sudden, like the left side of my body felt like it just went like numb, and I had this like searing pain, um, and I stopped running obviously, and, um, was just in throbbing pain. So I, I think I must've done something to like my lap muscles. Um, and there were some just sort of like, uh, you know, tension there. Um, but I couldn't breathe well too. So I, my, my wife was like, all right, like after about an hour of, of me complaining, we, we decided to go to the ER and just get things, uh, things checked out and uh so you know nothing nothing crazy um vitals all came back okay Uh, I have apparently some weird weirdness going on with some uh EKGs so I might have to go get that checked out but um weird EKGs tend to run in my family apparently so hopefully it's nothing nothing crazy however I am still in a fair amount of pain so I've been like super still on my zoom calls like not moving and a couple people have like commented on the fact that I've been like raising my coffee mug, especially slow to like take a sip, uh, because any sort of like sudden movement, uh, uh results in pain. But um, anyhow, sorry, t- t- probably TMI for this podcast, but uh, but yeah, that's sounds like your your week's going a little bit so, better well, than
1: mine. <laughs> it, it definitely sounds that way. And so what I'm hearing here is if we hear any random groans or grunts during our conversation today it's just the fact that you moved exactly exactly yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. If there's any sort of like sudden gasp for air you know why i'm not being yep. attacked It's yes. just it's just my
1: it's just my back um <laughs> well and i'll also add for, for a sec you know i am not a medical professional um but if if i were to give you a, my diagnosis because i think i have one
0: okay good
1: age you're age. getting older my getting friend older i know that's you know a- that's what happened creaks pains um muscle all those things tend to start giving way as you get older that's yeah. that's that's a part you know that's why i learned uh years ago you got to watch what you do uh you know can't just go running anymore
0: i guess you gotta I guess think not. about that i know
1: S- gotta stretch you gotta add an extra 10 minutes for stretching before and after
0: yeah 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 you know? i have not been i have not been good on the stretching part so um I feel like you know when you get at the, especially during, during like a a workout class or something. Like if you get to the end, like the last thing that you really want to do is like spend another ten minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, sort of stretching. And I always tend to just like walk out of the walk out of the class at that particular uh, juncture. Um, and my wife always like gets on me because she's like, no, like that's really really important. Um, so anyways, turns out she was right. I was wrong. Uh, I will say, though, that if you ever do need to go to the ER, um, the ER in Falmouth on Cape Cod, which is where I am right now, is fantastic. If, if like, ERs were, like, Michelin star restaurants, this would easily have earned, like, a couple of stars. the The experience was so fast, so easy. The doctors, the nurses, everyone was just hilarious and... Super, super punctual. When they said that they'd be back in twenty minutes, they were back in twenty minutes. I mean, everything was. It was just a wonderful experience. Um, So, you know, if you, you know, God forbid, do find yourself in need of going to the emergency room, uh, and you do happen to be on Cape Cod, rest assured, you will have a delightful experience, as delightful of an experience as you can have in the emergency room. In an ER, perfect. And actually, that's a really interesting segue talking about experiences uh, into what we want to talk about in this week's summer session, which is all about websites and your college or university website experience and rethinking, sort of like looking out, not even over the next five years, just over the next couple of years. How is your website going to change and not just become this? you know digital brochure or an expression of your college or university but but really the expression um the the first point of touch of your your brand experience for for prospective students so that's what we're going to be talking about in today's uh, episode mickey anything you want to share or just uh add before i kind of dive into to what i've got to what i've got prepared i know that you'll have comments and and can pick stuff up on on the end of things after i uh, you know, pitch some ideas. But uh, anything you want to add before I dive in?
1: No, I don't think so. I think this is what, our fourth episode here for Summer Sessions? Fourth? I, think, I, think I don't it's, think it's fifth. I think it is fifth. It's at least four. I think is it's, it's fifth, fifth
0: because I think we've done four and you did one with Jamie while I was out.
1: Um, I okay. think so number five of six. Yeah. Okay.
0: We really should know. Um, but I do <laughs> Well it's
1: been that busy of a summer. I know, I know. Uh, you know, ER trips, all kinds of other work going on. So all right, so we so this is episode five of six. We've got one more to go. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm excited to hear what you have for us.
0: Great, great. All right, so as I was prepping for this particular session, I was thinking about sort of a, a school's most valuable assets. Uh, and I know that this might, you know, cause uh, there might there, there's likely to be disagreement here, but like if you sort of, you know, take a step back and you think about a college or university's assets from the perspective of a uh, of a prospect. So as you're thinking about sort of maybe a better way of even saying this is like what is enrollment management's valuable assets um, as it pertains to attracting new students? And I'd say that the most valuable asset, right, is like the campus, right? Like where people are physically going to live, where they're physically going to learn, um, where they're going to, you know, uh, eat, right? The campus is a huge sort of uh, asset, maybe the most important of assets in um, uh, the context of a college or university, as they think about recruiting new students, right? That's why campus tours are so popular. That's why, you know, school, everyone in enrollment management knows that if they can just get folks to campus, right, they have a high likelihood, I believe it's the average is like 50%, um, that folks will actually at least start an application, if not end up uh, enrolling at that institution. Uh, and then you know you could you could argue that maybe the second most valuable asset is like you know the faculty, the uh, the staff, the the program. Uh, I, I would sort of say that that kind of like falls into the over that that's a part of the campus. So when I say campus, I don't just mean the physical expression, but really sort of what you would expect with an in-person college experience. Um, I think that the second really most most valuable asset is a college or university's website and what's really interesting right is like when we think about campus tours when we think about getting people on campus right we spend a lot of time showing them the new business building and the athletic center and the dorms and the quad and maybe you know the gymnasium and a student center whatever it might be like when we are walking people Around campus and, and showing folks our our facilities and like the and giving them sort of like a taste of the experience that they could have should they enroll at your particular school we don't spend a ton of time showing them faculty offices or administrative buildings, right? Like it's typically the, Oh yeah, by the way, like that's where some of our faculty, you know, uh, reside or over there is the registrar's office. Like you don't spend a ton of time, like going on a in-depth tour of those buildings. And yet when it comes to the website, what's really interesting, and this, this, this is changing a bit and I, and this has been positive change, but it's still true for a lot of folks is that the second most, popular, most important asset, right, in a school's portfolio, um, all of a sudden, right, the, the website, all of a sudden becomes dictated in large part by by faculty. So faculty end up becoming one of the, the sort of like louder constituent voices in the room. And what does that mean a little bit more practically? What that means a little bit more practically is a lot of the friction that still exists when folks think about their college, university websites, and why things are the way that they are, why the content isn't as uh, you know, compelling as it could be is because, well, faculty control this page or faculty inc- control um, this particular subset of, of program information pages, or, Hey, you know, we got to make sure that this thing is in the navigation. Otherwise we're going to hear it from the faculty. And again, I am not here to disrespect faculty. They, play, they obviously play an incredibly important role in sort of a, a student's overarching experience, uh, not to mention, you know, uh, the the colleges or universities sort of like overarching business goals. Really, really, really important stakeholder. However, I find it just to be interesting that in the lane of experience, right, as we think about um, on-campus experiences, I think it's interesting that we don't spend tons of time Focused on showcasing to prospects where faculty reside, what you know classrooms look like. You walk into a couple lecture halls for sure, but not, most of the time is spent kind of showing off the other components, right? That are that are attractive about the the college or university, uh, like the gym, like the dorm, et cetera. We've already talked about this, and so I just think it's interesting that when it comes to digital, when it comes to sort of the digital expression of your brand, which you know, is your website that all of a sudden those power dynamics change a little bit? So, um, you know, that take take that early leave Maybe you disagree there. Uh, in in my experience talking with uh, many enrollment managers, many folks, and in, in even marketing and communications, this is still a big headache. Is like trying to please faculty when it comes to uh, website content, when it comes to sort of the digital expression of their programs, is, is very very challenging. Like that is a major friction point still for for most folks. So all that said, I was thinking about what sort of framework could we offer uh, in this particular episode to help you think about, you know, your college or university website, help you sort of like better the the overarching experience. And I think the big reason why this is important is, you know, obviously COVID really shook things up last year and a lot of in-person events were, were canceled, but COVID did a lot more than that. It also just showed everybody in in different ways, right, that oh wow, digital experiences can actually be really great, and digital experiences, yeah, they're not the same as physical experiences, but I've even noticed in my own like personal you know behavior and habits, like my wife and I are looking at a couple of apartments right now, and there's an option to like go and like schedule an actual tour. Um, I'm not ready to kind of make that commitment yet. And so like I'm I've scheduled like a live virtual tour with the person at at um at the apartment complex, right? And I, I wanna make sure, like I wanna see it virtually, I wanna see someone walk around the space before I actually take time out of my day to physically drive there and and go, you know, check it out. And I think that the same thing is 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 happening in in higher ed and it's happening in enrollment management is the people got you so used to doing things digitally and virtually that were previously thought to be okay at best but not a true replacement for something uh something in person and i would argue that it's still not a replacement but more and more people are going to take a, a first sort of digital step um now because of what the last year has has done to to the world than they would have in even even a couple years ago meaning digital experiences matter way more today than they did in in 2019 and in in 2018. And they're going to continue to sort of reshape how we think about um, uh, delivering student experiences. So that was a lot of information. Let's just dive into this this framework. So there's kind of three steps to this framework. First and foremost, I think that before you massively you know, re-architect your website or before you spend tons of time and, and money and resources working with a vendor to design a new website, I think it's really important to define the experience that you are trying to deliver via your brand's, you know, digital expression. And I think one of the one of the things to kind of think about, right, is like, um, you know, are are you an Apple or or are you a Microsoft, right? One of the things that like Apple is known for uh, beyond sort of being, you know, uh, this exceptional brand and very minimalist in sort of like their approach and delivering like high quality products is they're also known, they only have a few products. Like Apple, I think has, like, it's like 25 in total products that they offer. Whereas, you know, a Microsoft, they've got well over 125 different product offerings. Um, and again, Oftentimes, I I think it's it's helpful as as you think about the kind of experience that you your school is uniquely qualified to deliver. Like, are you a little bit more focused on no 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 we do these three things and we do these three things better than anybody else? That's sort of like the Apple approach. Or are you saying no 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 hey we we ha- we do these twenty seven different things and we you know uh, the, the big value add when you come to this particular university is that you can literally do anything right as opposed to you know you can do these three things but you can do these three things better than you can do these three things at any other college or university. So one way of thinking about uh how to start defining your experience is like are is your institution striving to be a little bit more like an Apple, a little bit more like a Microsoft. Another way of thinking about this to use sort of like a retail example is like you know, are you, are you a Nordstrom or, or are you, you know, a JCPenney? And I don't mean this in terms, necessarily in terms of sort of like quality of product, even though that would be a logical conclusion. What I really mean is like in terms of like customer service, right? Like when you walk into a Nordstrom, you expect a different standard of uh, customer service, customer support than you do a JCPenney, right? So does your school, prioritize experience? Does your school prioritize sort of like hands-on, helpful? Like when you ask a question, are you going to get an answer that is, is, you know, uh, interesting and engaging and helpful? Or is it going to be like, oh yeah, you know, our pants section is, is, is over there with like someone pointing, right? Versus in an Nordstrom, somebody would say, oh, well, what, what kind of pants are you looking for? Right? Like, oh, great. Like, let me walk you over and explain our different product lines that you might be interested in. So, what sort
1: of experience? Zach, can I please can I add a little uh, a comment there? Because as you're talking about this, especially if we if I go back a couple of minutes, where you're talking about the Microsoft versus Apple example, yeah, um, you know, I think most institutions, if they were to use that example and think about where we're on the spectrum, are going to lean a little more towards a Microsoft yep. than an Apple, mainly because there's so many academic programs, yep. especially if you start looking at undergraduate graduate, if you have a subset, you know, like online or non-traditional student undergraduate based, when you add that in, they, there are so many different programs. And I think that's where some of the confusion is, but I think yeah. kind of you can do anything motto, you know, gives you a core message to build off of for each of those products. So how do you do anything as a graduate student in MBA program versus how can you do anything as an undergraduate English major? If you can Have that core message or a couple of key critical pillars of your messages and tie those into those various products, it starts to create a, a a story that can carry over across all of your, your site. So sorry yeah, to no, no, interrupt no. there, but yeah. I just want to be sure we're calling that out because that was, that came across to me as you're saying it. So yeah, and that make,
0: no, that's, that's great good. Stuff. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And maybe again, another way of thinking about like the differences in, in product portfolio, it's maybe it's less helpful to think about it in terms of like, programs um and academic offerings and a little bit more like hey what sort of experience like what are you what as you were just mentioning mickey like what are your brand pillars like okay do you want to be known for three things uh you know overall and hey like you know we are a uh, small liberal arts you know college that does these three things really 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 well uh, or are you trying to lean into like hey no you you can get a small sort of experience a, a small you know college feel experience here but then you can also get all the benefits of an r1 institution right so w- i think a, a better way of maybe thinking about sort of differentiation here is is less on the program front and a little bit more on like the what are you trying to be known for um from a brand perspective front so I think that that's helpful, um, and you know, uh, so yeah, back back to sort of defining the experience. So I think another thing to like really think about here, right? Again, this is before you're mocking up new new designs, or this is even before you go to your uh, your marcom team and say, "Hey, I I really do think we need we need a new website." What people don't spend enough time doing is is trying to define what they actually want the experience to be. And I think one thing that's helpful to think about, right? Like as you try to flesh this out, is If a user, like if a prospective student, like had to complete a survey, so before they could like click X out of your website, if they were forced, like if their computer like stopped working until they completed a survey that asked them about their the experience that they just had on your website, and if it were to be something like describe the experience you just had with this particular school over the past you know three minutes or however long you were on your website in three adjectives, like what do you hope those adjectives would be? Like in in a perfectly ideal world. I'm not allowed to you know, uh, click out of your site until I answer these questions. What are the three adjectives that I would use to describe the experience that I just had? What, what do you all think those should be? And then work back from there. And I think that that's just a helpful framework to start thinking about uh, what it means to craft not just a digital expression of your brand, but a true digital experience of it. So once you actually define the experience, you arrive at sort of like the, hey, this is what we're going for. Uh, I think what you should do is audit your website in light of these experiential goals. And I think that the way to do this, there are several different ways you could do this, but a couple ways that I wanna throw out. Way number one is start your journey through your website from multiple source pathways. So what do I mean by that? I mean, Google something that you know that your site ranks for, not like branded search, uh, and and click on sort of like the first result that comes up, right? And explore the experience of your website through, you know, probably it's probably some sort of like blog post or some sort of program pages, some sort of program page, those tend to, you know, rank higher, um, and so click through to that result. Maybe it's something like, uh, you know, msn evening programs and there's a blog post or something and you click and somebody clicks on that and they are on your blog uh, that talks about uh, the value of an evening program y- your the various tracks that you all offer etc and then just click around, again, keep on the frame of reference of like, hey, this is, what I, this is the experience that I'm going for. I'm going for, you know, clean, clear, and classy or something like that, right? Maybe those are the three, uh, the three adjectives that you're striving for. And ask yourself as you peruse that particular page and as you jump to other pages, is this clear, right? Is this concise? Is this, is this classy? Or whatever, again, uh, the three adjectives that you, that you want to work with are. And then from there, what I would do is, I would start with direct traffic. So I would go directly to your domain, right? Like university.edu, and I would start my journey there and I would use the same questions, right? I use that same sort of like lens to evaluate the experience if I'm starting at your front door, which is your homepage. Then I would go to social media. I just go and I would click the most recent social media post uh, from my, from my university's, uh, a brand pages and click through and see what does that look like? What is that experience? Is it clear? Is it concise? Right? Is it classy? Uh, and then the same thing with paid social, right? So with whatever paid social ads you might be running, make sure that you're clicking through. Those are oftentimes going to some sort of conversion landing page and that's fine, but there should be pathways to your core website. Ask yourself the same question. Is it clear? Is it concise? Is it classy? So that's uh, that's what you need to do. But again, bef- this is all before you actually think about like, okay, um, we need to redesign the site. We need to rethink uh, site architecture. This is all in the process of of just auditing your existing website. <coughs> Sorry, breathing problems. There we go. Auditing your existing website in light of this new uh, experience that you've just defined, that you've just said that you want your website to be able to deliver. And then finally, you know, the final step is, is, is once you've defined the experience, once you've audited your current content, your current assets in light of that new, uh, experience that you're, that you're striving to deliver, how do you then go and re-architect to mend, you know, re-architect the site to mend any gaps that might exist between the desired experiential state and the actual current experiential state. So. A lot of folks just dive into uh, they when it comes to website redesigns or when it comes to you know rethinking about it's rethinking your uh, your website as something that's more than just sort of a, a digital brochure. They tend to jump immediately to design, right? That it, it tends to be like, oh, our website is so ugly. Or, like we need a prettier website. Oh, like our website just it's just so clunky, right? Like, um, and I and I think that like you know the mistake that we make, uh, especially in a higher ed, is we don't spend enough time thinking very critically about what is the goal of the website and you know newsflash the primary fundamental goal of your website should be for prospective students right and for prospective students parents it's not for internal stakeholders i think again most people in the industry now get that and agree but it it, needs to go layers deeper right okay cool yes it's for prospective students but what kind of experience do we want to deliver that's actually unique and that does a really good job at reflecting our culture um your your website right is not a distinct entity that's part of your brand it is the digital expression of your brand um so Last just a couple thoughts here, and then Mickey would love would love uh, you to chime in and and say anything that um, ask any questions or or, or uh, offer some additional comments. But I think like when I think about websites of the near future, and by near future I mean in the next couple years, not in the next five to ten years. I think that search right the ability to search a site uh, will will become navigation. So search will no longer be ancillary to navigation. It it is navigation. The way that prospects find what they are looking for are going to be through search bars. They're not going to go through, uh, you know, a a more traditional sort of like navigation structure like most sites have with navs and sub navs and sub subs, right? That's just, that's just not the way that younger generations in particular consume information. That's not the way that they find information. It's also really interesting. This is somewhat of a tangent, but Google Drive actually just made this uh, major update. Actually, it might be, it might be offered throughout the entire, uh, uh, Google, uh, suite, but at least in Google drive, uh, they made this huge change to their search filters so that you can, uh, get way more granular with like what you're trying to look for in the search bar. And I laughed. And when I saw that, I took a screenshot and sent it to sent it to my team because I think I've mentioned this on this pod before, but like there's this constant like argument, uh, uh, between our younger team members and our a little bit more seasoned uh, team members between how to store information and how to find information. And those of us who are a little bit on the younger end of the spectrum, we use the search bar for everything. We never go through sort of like the folder architecture, the folder hierarchy that like our our more senior uh, team members do. And so I think that that's just gonna carry over uh, to, to websites and, and we're already seeing this, it's only gonna happen more. Another thing that I think is going to happen in the near future is that video experiences and video chat will be the rule, not the exception. So right now, when you hop on a website and you see the option to start a video chat, like that's super novel and it's like, whoa! Like I could start like a live like video chat with somebody right now. That's kind of interesting and weird. Like that's that's going to become absolutely normal. Uh, it's it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be the exception. It it will be the rule. Another thing I think will happen is websites will become way more choose your choose your own adventure and less pre-architected. So it's going websites are only getting smarter, CMSs are only allowing this to happen um uh more easily. And basically at the end of the day, the website should be custom to the the user, right? It it should offer sort of Zach, the experience that Zach is looking for, and the pathways and information that Zach needs—those needs, those, needs, those pathways—are going to be different for for Mickey. Uh, so this is this is already happening, and it's, I think it's going to be accelerated in the next couple of years. I also think that, uh, and this is maybe a little bit controversial, and um, I think this might happen in in some institutions already. But I, I think CMSS will be controlled by marketing, not so much by IT. And I think like the the way that we think about IT managing the website in many contexts right now. Um, I think that that will be primar- that will shift primarily to just security uh, issues, and marketing will have w- way 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 more control than they do today about how sites are architected, how content is distributed and delivered, and what sort of overarching uh, uh, experience that uh, the school is looking for. I think that at the end of the day they 're going to be the people that are buying the cms not not action- not i t which is um, how it is for many institutions today, and then last but certainly not least, um, I think that digital experiences will become equivalent to today's on-campus conversion rates of forty to fifty percent of students who visit campus end up applying. Meaning, I think digital experiences—something about like virtual events, uh, video chats, right? Like those will start converting at forty, forty to fifty percent. Um, rates in terms of app starts after an, a digital experience. I think right now those typically are in the 10 to 15 to sometimes 20. I'm not looking at COVID right last year when, when um you know, digital events were sort of like the only events I think people saw, we saw, I know in fact we did see way more conversion rates from those offerings. I'm looking back to like 2018 and 2019 here where you're averaging maybe 10 to 15, maybe, maybe if you've got a lot going on 20%. Of of people starting applications after attending or you know experiencing some sort of digital expression, Um, I think that those numbers will jump to forty to fifty percent. And I actually think that students who do make it to campus will uh, convert at a much higher rate than that forty to fifty percent. I think. Getting onto campus, right now, it's still like a consideration stage. If you think about like the applicant journey of awareness, consideration, and decision, most on-campus visits, folks are falling into that consideration stage. I think campus visits will be in that decision stage. So meaning people are going to come to campus once they're considering you and maybe one or maybe two other schools. They're going to um, weed out the five or six or you know seven schools that they might be thinking about um, in sort of that that digital stage of okay we're going to go to these digital events we're going to uh, talk to have video chats with these uh, admissions counselors that'll whittle us down to two options and then we'll go and visit both of those options um, and and then you know select one final uh, college or university so I think that that's what's going to happen and and the big reason here like is if if as society we're willing to you know, take jobs having never stepped foot into an office or met our team physically, which is happening all over right now, then I do think populations of students will feel the same way about college. Um, so there you have it. That's my little pitch to you guys on how to think differently about uh, your website, especially going into these, these next couple of years. Um, I, I do think the many colleges and universities, especially those that are struggling right now, have an opportunity to really differentiate themselves by taking their digital experiences very, very seriously and ensuring that they've got well-defined experiences, they've got goals for their website offering more than just uh you know content uh for consumption and and a couple of conversion opportunities websites are going to become much more dynamic expressions of a college and university brand so that's what i got mickey all
1: right i've got three things three three uh first uh, i'll tell you what the three points are then i'll talk about each one that way so when i forget the second or third one you can remind me what what it was great um, cause I, you know, I know as I'm you were talking you. I'm like trying to make sure. i got it. I wanna talk about that um first is about uh defining um uh, the role of your website. you talked a bit about that. the second is who controls the website and the third is uh knowing the uh enrollment journey for your prospective students so point one uh in terms of defining your website I've seen this you um you you know uh, you you kind of said it clearly you know, the websites for your prospective student audience. So I think with that in mind, there are a couple of things that come up with institutions. And I actually will say, I see, um, I'm seeing more community colleges jump onto this than in the past. I think they were a little further behind, but they're starting to pick up on it and they're moving in this direction. Um, But I think the key is saying, okay, if this is for our prospective students, being able to provide your other community members, those who have used or expect the website to be more than just that, yeah, then you need to define and have an answer ready for those folks where their information goes, whether it's information they need to share with other community members or audience members, or information they go for themselves. You have to have that answer in place and give them that information. You, that has to be clear if you, because in order to make this shift effective like that, you need buy-in from your community, and there are certain community members who have information they share or need information that's on that website currently. You need a good answer for that. Second, in terms of who controls it, I very much agree with you. I see this much more, again, this is a two-year versus four-year institution shift I've seen more regularly where in four-year institutions, uh, the website's controlled in marketing. Yep. And I'm seeing that shift more uh, with two-year institutions or they're being a little bit further behind and maybe still having IT more involved. And this is no, no, uh, assessment or judgment about IT, but if we agree that this is a prospective student site, that it's there as part of a sales process, you want the marketing team um, controlling that. Um, otherwise, it's a lay an additional and almost always unneeded layer of tape to go through to get things done on the site. And having the people responsible um, for creating that vision of what this um, site is also responsible for controlling and updating and putting that information on there. That needs to be one and the same. It's yeah. easier um, and and puts the right ownership there. Uh, and if you and if you are in that position, and, and regardless of your role, if you're in a position, you have struggling with with getting that buy-in with certain folks. I know I've I've um, uh, had faculty share with me in the past. You know, yes, I kind of understand this concept but there's certain information that I don't think is coming through on the website that I think our prospects need to have. And I think that's where you have a clear conversation with them. And this connects with the path, the enrollment journey with something else that you mentioned, but um, you need to have a conversation to say, okay, what information is it that this, that this department or this person thinks needs to be there? Where does it become a value for the prospect in that consideration, that journey? And then that may help dictate why it is or is not, or how much of it is shared. On that website, uh, and I think that's an important piece. Uh, and then also working and building uh, roles and responsibilities. So, as a marketing person, you may not necessarily have, or should be expected to have, all the information for about for the fifty programs um, that your institution offers. That goes back to the academic departments; um, they're responsible for for being able to share with you as someone who controls the website what the primary components of that uh, program are that need to be shared. Marketing needs to translate that into marketing language to uh, connect with the prospective student audience. That's part of marketing's role. And, and using that and defining that clearly so that when you say faculty, when you're talking with a faculty member or it could be the business office uh, about tuition payments, you know, our role is to ensure that you, your content, the messages that you need to have out there, or translate it in a way that our audience would read, receive, and understand it. That's our role. So you provide us the main point of the contact. We translate that into the, for the website. I think that's a big piece. Um, second uh, or third, the path. Getting back to the path, yeah. you are talking about like the campus visit. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important to know where is the campus visit in relationship to your enrollment journey for a prospective students? Like you just kind of said where it's going to shift and we're going to narrow it down. We're going to come to two, we're only going to visit two. Hey, I think that's great. I think for you for now and in the future, you know, what, where does your prospective student consider the campus visit in their process? Is it pre-application, post-application and know that and rethink your campus visit based on that. So if these are primarily applicants that are coming primarily inquiries that are coming, Inquiries that that apply within a week or a month from the visit, knowing that and identifying that, yes, that's not going to be for everybody, but here is our standard campus tour visitor, someone who's coming in um, as a high school junior in the spring or a high school senior in September visiting, and they typically apply this amount of time. Post uh, visit, then I want to build my campaign based on that. I want to have that in mind that if I have a specific message that's going to drive to an application for someone who's visited versus someone who hasn't, that might be a different message and it might be a different timing. And I want to keep that in mind. And and that's the level of detail and intermediate, I won't even call it advanced. That's intermediate uh, strategy, intermediate level strategy to connect and engage that prospect. So I would keep that in mind. And then finally, Um, uh, gosh, it just came to me and I lost it already, Zach. And this was the point four. Um, Oh, uh, I loved your conversation about the video piece. Mm -hmm. You know, Click here for a video conversation with someone. And I agree. I think we will get there and I think that will become part of it. The issue is we might be further off, but if you're not taking steps now to get you somewhere between here and there, then you're just going to be further off when everyone else is already there. You Like you're three steps behind the video piece, and if you don't start taking step one now, when folks are there, you'll be four or five steps behind. Yeah. And so it's not that you have to move there now, but build out your path so that if we think we're gonna go in this direction, what is from here to there? It might be having some form of chat created. It might be improving that search capabilities on your website. Take those steps so that when you're ready for the more advanced things, it's not as big of a leap. It won't be as scary, it won't be as far, of a leap and it won't be as costly of a leap. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, Love all those, those insights and those, those comments. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, what our our hope is with content like this is that it really just inspires conversation. um, And that you guys all, all of our listeners, you guys can take this and just have a chat with your team. Say like, how do we start moving in this direction? Uh, How do we think a little bit more critically about the kind of experience that we want to have? And, with our site, and I, I do think a lot of these conversations, like uh, they're they're new conversations, right? Like, how often have you sat around a group, you know, in in a group of folks to really, cri- you know, critique not again the design of your website, right, but the experience that you want to deliver with it, like. And so we're just living in an era where things are accelerating so quickly, and and uh, technology is just getting so much more sophisticated that. We now have to ask ourselves these questions, um, and the, and the folks that ask these questions to themselves and actually start answering them, those are the ones that are that are gonna ha- get ahead. This is all inevitable. It's just a matter of time. So the question is like, do you want to get you know, do you want to be early, right? Do you want to be an early adopter here, right? Or do you want to kind of wait until everyone else is on board and, and then you're playing catch up? Um, And again, resources will dictate how quickly you'll be able to move on these things. And and that's all right. Uh, Don't do more than you can do. But I think at the very least, everyone can start having these conversations. They can think through this framework of defining the experience they want to have, auditing your current website in light of these experiential goals, and then even making sort of minor tweaks to mend any sort of gaps that exist between this desired experiential state and the actual experimental state, experiential state, not experimental. State. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I got. Um, so hopefully this was helpful. Let us know what you guys think. Um, other than that, we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks Zach. Thanks everyone for listening next week. Our, uh, our last and final uh, summer session. Woo. That's sad, but good. <laughs> all right. Take care.
0: Yep. Hey, friends. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Fanatical Fridays with Mickey Baines. If you have an idea for a topic you think we should cover on this show or riff on, please feel free to reach out directly to me at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. And I will bring it up with Mickey, and we will chat about it on an upcoming episode. So again, that's Zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. And reach out if you have questions, comments, thoughts, ideas for things that we should be talking about. All right, guys, take care, and we'll see you next week.